Be seated, please. Good morning. So great to be here with you. I, I feel honored to, uh, to be asked to speak here today. I'm so thankful for uh, Joseph's invitation, your church's invitation. I hope you know how blessed you are to have Joseph and Lauren and Alex and Allison here. Uh, a shepherd uh, has a, uh, different tools in their toolbox, and one of those tools is a staff. A staff is something very, very powerful. It's something that can be used to destroy an enemy. It's something that can be used to, to corral or, or correct. And uh, y'all have an incredible staff here. And I hope you realize the blessing of that. I've known Joseph. Joseph made a comment about me being old earlier. And uh, I'm going to be nice to him today. I'm going to let it go. Uh, I talked about forgiveness the first service. Can I come up here and blast him now? No. That was, a, that was a low blow to do it, and you know I'm going to preach on forgiveness. Uh, I met Joseph through Horizons, and uh, I taught a class, and he and a group of guys from his high school were all in that class together on mission work. We talked about a lot of things that week, and one, one thing that week that was so very powerful, the last night we were at Horizons, a group of us started singing, just a group of guys in the dorm, and we ended up in a stairwell. And that's one of the most beautiful singing I've ever been a part of and so very powerful. And I'm thankful for that time and thankful to see him grow as uh, he's continued to, to serve the Lord. And I hope you realize how greatly blessed you are. Uh, also, I have laughed. When we pulled up, I'm like, does this church have valet parking? People are lined up over there. I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, this place is in style. I, I don't even know who's over there. But I'm like, no, they're unloading all the food for the fellowship meal, I'm like an engineer must go to church here somewhere. Somebody worked out an efficiency expert to make that happen. Elders have to be trusted. The men you choose to do that also have to be trusted. Okay, I've been to places where the good stuff got put up and taken home by other people. Okay, So I'm going to trust that everything was dropped off, was taken in for us to partake in in a short amount of time or a long amount of time. depends on how much I preach. Uh, let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, You have blessed us greatly, and we came here today to bless Your name as we have just sang. God, You are good and mighty and strong, and You are incredible, God, and we come here today to fall at Your feet and tell You of Your greatness. And Lord, we pray today that You will be with us as we open Your Word, and we will see there what You would have us to see. And Lord, again, give us the courage to live that out. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Do you believe that? I hope more of you believe that than that. Do you believe that this morning? I hope so. See, I believe that's the core of Scripture. From Genesis through Revelation, what we see is the love of God for us. See, I think that's challenging for us because uh, nobody's ever been loved, no matter how loving somebody is to you, nobody's ever been loved to the level God loves you. 
It's even hard to fathom Him loving us that so very much. I don't know many people here today. I know Troy Wells. It's awesome to walk in and see him. He and I lived on the same floor in school or in the same club, spent time together. I appreciate him so much. And uh, But outside of him and a couple of others, I don't know a lot of people here. And if I wanted to know more about you, where could I go? Some of you, I could go there. Some of you, I would know way more about you than I wanted to. A lot of people have gone to, to that now. But here's the truth. Even if I went to your Instagram page, Facebook page, some of you, if you're, if you're not a, a Facebooker, I could go uh, to your daily planner, I could go to your checkbook and find out some things about you, where you spend your money, where you spend your time. There's things I could find out. But even if you went to my Facebook page, you wouldn't know everything about me. Here's what you, If you went there, you would know that I love my church in Spring Hill, that I talk about them. You would know that I'm engaged to, to a beautiful lady. You would see evidence of that. You would see uh, that I have a great fondness for chocolate gravy and biscuits. I'm sure I've mentioned that a few times. You would see that I love to fish and I catch big fish. Why? Because I don't put a lot of pictures up of small fish. That I like to deer hunt. You would see that about me. You'd see that I like to play guitar. But is that the total of who I am or just what I choose to share for people to know about me? See, I think one of the greatest poverties there is, and one of the great struggles people have, is people go through life lonely. And people go through life believing that nobody really knows who they are. And the struggle with nobody knowing who they are, they're so scared that if somebody found out who they really are, if you really knew me, then you wouldn't like me. See, I think that's a great challenge. I think that's a great challenge for us because we've come in today, most of us are wearing clothes we haven't worn all week. We want to look our best and be our best today. And we come in and I think it's a struggle because we're like, if somebody knew this struggle I had, this, 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 this flaw I have, would they still love me? Would they still accept me? See, I think church is a place where honesty should be. It's a place where we can lose a mask, be real with one another. I think that's the key. I think that's sort of the key we look to Christianity. And when I think about that, I have to ask myself, what does God actually know about me? I think for the young man that read the verse earlier, he read it beautifully. I'm so thankful for, for young men who will stand up and, and do that. And I think about that verse where, where Psalm 147 says, He determines the numbers of the stars. He gives all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. If we start going through the different attributes of God, uh, we could talk about all the omnis of God, the $50 words as I call them, the omniscience the omnipotence, the omnibenevolence, uh, the omnipresence. We could talk about that, but I'll tell you the one that that's the all-knowing one is the one that I struggle with. To think, what does God know about me? Can I tell you? Everything. What makes God incredible is that He knows everything about us and He loves us anyway. 
See, all, uh, everybody, I believe, has the desire to be fully known and to be fully loved, for those two things to take place. To be fully known and to not be fully loved is to be rejected. Nobody wants that. To be fully loved but to not be fully known is superficial. And that's how a lot of us live. We want to put out our best uh, self so people don't really know that. And we have to realize that God loves us in spite of our flaws. And I think about what is it that God knows about me? Number one, you need to know that God knows all of your faults and failings. He knows all your sins. Every single one of them. There's a couple of verses that I think are, are interesting. Mark Twain said everybody has, is like a moon. They have a dark side which they never show anybody. Look what the Hebrew writer says. He said, And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Does that verse give you a little bit of pause? What about the next one? Psalm 69 verse 5. O God, You've known my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from Your sight. Wow. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Did God know our sinfulness? Yes. As a kid, my dad was a song leader. I love beautiful congregational singing. Y'all have beautiful singing here. It's been a pleasure this morning. I think about that, and I think about the beautiful singing that, that, that we have partaken in. And my dad, being a song leader, there's one song that when he sang as a kid, it messed me up for a couple of days. The all-seeing eye watching you. How about a song that make you paranoid? I mean, we're scared today about having a phone that you already had to put your thumbprint in so you could even use it. And now I thought about singing that song every day and the things you pursue. And you're like, and, and the thing is, what I couldn't see in this song, my view is just weird. I know that my mind works differently. When you just see a giant eyeball looking down on you that never closes and never winks and you can't see love in that eye, that's not the exact view of God I believe that He portrays in Scripture. I find it interesting since the beginning of time when man sinned, they wanted to hide it from God. They wanted to hide it from God. That's part of, part of what happened. We, we look and, and you feel, you know, Cain kills Abel. He doesn't think, doesn't think about what? That, that God doesn't know what He has done. We think about Adam and Eve, the first sin. They, they go and they hide themselves. That seems to be our nature to do that. I find it interesting when we are tempted to sin, I believe Satan tells us nobody will ever find out. When you're tempted to sin, private sin, whatever sin it is, Satan's telling you over and over again, nobody will ever, ever find out. And what happens is, as soon as you give in to that sin, the same voice changes. What if somebody finds out? So what have I got to do? I've got to keep this covered up. And I've, I've got to be realize that God knows my sins. He sees me. And so what I know is God sees and knows all my sins and He is not shocked. And what should I do with that? I should confess my sins to God regularly. 
When I open my Bible, 1 John 1, 8 and 9, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This verse is beautiful. One, to the people who think they do not sin, this verse is not beautiful. He says, this verse is written to Christians or non-Christians. Christians. Christians sin, what do we do with that sin? We confess. What does He do as we confess those sins? He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a beautiful word, the word all. It means there's not a sin that we can commit that God Himself says, if you will confess that sin and walk toward Me, I will do what? I will forgive you that sin. How beautiful and how powerful is the love of God. Amen? Secondly, God knows all my hurts. God knows everything that's going on in you. He knows every struggle that you have. He knows everything that is bothering you. Today, when I open up God's Word and I look at a beautiful verse like Psalm 31 verse 7, it says, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. I rejoice because God, you know what I'm going through. Not only does He know, but He understands. Psalm 56, verse 8. You've kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? What a beautiful verse. You may be saying, what in the world is this talking about? I was blessed to go to the Holy Lands. Back, I guess, since I'm old, before Joseph was born. A um, long time ago, 96. I know he was born before that. but I was blessed to go there. And as we were going and touring the city, as we got there, uh, our guide went in, and we went in this little souvenir shop where they, they were selling all these different things, and there was this little bottle about that tall, and this bottle had this rim on top, and instead of having a, a spout that poured down, there was a spout that looked like it came up, like something would go into it, had no clue what it was, and, and we asked our guide, he said, what is this? He goes, it's a tear bottle. What are you talking about? He said, here, tears are representative of a lot of things. When somebody cries, it may be representative of great sorrow in their life, some great pain that they're going through. It also could be something that, that is very representative of a great joy that they have. He said, many of the women here will save those tears through their life and he mentioned Psalm 56. He said that's what he's talking about, that God keeps up with your tears. And he mentioned the, uh, the, in, in the New Testament where one of the women washed Jesus' feet with her tears. He said, I believe she brought in her bottle with her and poured every sorrow and joy she'd ever had on. What does it mean to you knowing that God knows what you're going through? I think one of the struggles for us is when somebody says, if we, uh, can, we tell somebody, hey, I'm going through this right now, instead of somebody listening and understanding and holding their hand will cry with us, they like to one-up us. I'm going through, you know, I, I've just been diagnosed with this cancer. Well, so-and-so's just been diagnosed with that cancer. Get over yourself. <laughs> 
Y'all get counselors like that here, I'm sure. Every church I've been to has somebody with that counseling skill. What is it for somebody to seek to understand? And for you to feel like somebody actually understands you. We, we uh, have a Hispanic family that's worshiping with us. And this, late, this family's pretty amazing. They actually had us over to eat last night. Brianna and I went over to eat there. Brianna speaks Spanish. I speak taco. That's about the extent of my Spanish. That's what I, I, I'm more of a fajita guy, but I understand a few things. And we have gone to eat with them a couple of times, and I remember listening to them talk. Juana uh, um, speaks 100 miles an hour. And I had no clue, and I knew when I heard her speak, I heard her say chimichanga and chiquita about 100 times. And at the end, Brown said she never said either one of those words. I'm like, that's what I heard. Juana loves Brianna. You know why? Because Brianna can understand her. She speaks fluent Spanish. Brianna, her dad was a missionary. Her parents were missionaries in Chile. She grew up in Chile. And so she understands. And the thing is, if we are around Juana, she does not want us to leave ever. After services, she'll talk to her. Why? Because she finds somebody who understands her. Do you know that God understands you? He understands what it is that you are going through. He gets that. And I also know today that there are those of you who have come here to worship today and you feel like your heart is weighs a thousand pounds. You are carrying a burden with you. Some of you have marriages that are struggling. Some of you are struggling financially. Some of you have children who are rebelling. Some of you have parents who are rebelling. Some of you are are have a sin that you're dealing with, have somebody in your family that's dealing with a sin. You may have a medical issue going on. It, there's no telling what struggle that you're going through, but can I tell you, you are in the right place. Why? When I look at Psalm 103, verse 13 and 14, here's what I see about God. It says, A father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him, for He knows our frame He remembers that we are dust. He knows our frame. He shows compassion. That means He hurts alongside of us. He comes along and understands that. He hurts with us. He also knows what we can handle. That's a big deal. A few years ago, companies came out with these things that uh, sent people uh, of a little bit larger people who were a little bit heavier, to the ER. They were called chairs in a bag. When those things first came out, I think they had a weight limited of about seven pounds. Everybody has some in the garage that are broken, right? If you haven't thrown them away, I guess you think the bag's going to be good again someday. But if you take it, you have that thing, and you know I never sat in one because I did not trust it. I did not trust it. I... I'm still big, but I've lost a little over 80 pounds over the past year and a half. Can I tell you, I really didn't trust it then. I love to deer hunt. You know one thing, when I used to go by deer stands, I checked the weight limit. Because I'm like, alright, if this thing says it holds this much, I know what I weigh, I know what my gun weighs, the backpack I carry. I don't want it to even be close. This verse tells us that God knows exactly what our frame is and what our frame can handle. 
He realized that we are very fragile. Why? Because He made us. See, I hear lies at church sometimes. I don't think people mean to say lies at church, but I hear people say, God never put anything on you that you can't handle by yourself. Salvation's more than you can handle by yourself. God will never put anything on you that you and Him cannot handle together. The pain of this life should draw us closer to Him. And so today I realize that when I think about this, that God knows all my hurts and what does He do? He sympathizes and He comforts me. So what should I do with that? 1 Peter 5.7 says that we should cast our cares on Him because He cares for me. What cares? All our cares. There's that beautiful word again, all. I think God's waiting for some of us to do that, to actually give it to Him and allow Him to to take this. And You may have to do it often. We are a church, the Spring Hill Church, filled with babies. We had 14 born last year. Not at the building, that would make us a hospital. I bet we had 14 born last year. And can I tell you, uh, three years before, we had 13 and 13, and we have 30 plus kids three years old and younger. Can I say this? Our auditorium is lively. It is loud. And as a preacher up there, can I tell you that we see most everything? I had a little girl when she was little. She came to me and she said, Mr. Craig, what can you see from the pulpit? Me being me, I said, I can see everything. Okay, Uh, And we see stuff. I see some children who, it starts out, everybody in the family wants to hold this baby. It starts on one end, and the baby goes up and down the pew. But I've also seen the child, well, the only person in the world who can comfort that child is that child's mama. I've also seen children, and when they get ready for that, what will they do? They'll finally reach up. Have you ever tried to pick up a child who doesn't want that to happen? I've seen episodes of cops have an easier time getting somebody in the back of a car than somebody picking up a child that doesn't want to be picked up. They do the same thing, dead weight, put their arms down to their side. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. When it comes to these things in our lives, I think God's waiting for us to do this and reach to Him. The great promise that God never runs for us. James 4.8 You draw near to God, He will draw near to you. God also knows your fears. When I think about this, I, I, I don't know what it is that, that you are afraid of. God knows all your fears. He knows your anxieties. I'm going to be very vulnerable with you today and tell you some things I'm scared of. I do not like clowns. Even before all the foolishness on TV over the past couple of months, not me. Not me. I am shocked I've eaten at this place as much as I have. Usually I go through the drive through because I don't think He can pull me out the window. When I was a kid, I would, uh, I've always deer hunted at my grandparents' house in West Tennessee. I hunt on this acre and flat and love being out there. And my cousin and I would drive from Freed Hardeman there and go hunt. And our favorite thing was after we were hunting, we'd go to my grandmother's house and she would cook breakfast for us. And it would be a king's breakfast with eggs and bacon and sausage. There'd be chocolate gravy and cathead biscuits. It would be absolutely awesome. 
And this morning we get out before daylight, get in my stand, my cousin hunts about 300 yards past me. We get there and before daylight we hear the loudest scream you've ever heard over and over again, but it didn't sound like a person. I grew up as a kid hearing tales of mountain lions around and my granddad was a coon hunter and he said he had seen one at different places around there. And they said, if you ever hear anything that sounds like that, that's probably what it is. So I am just in my deer stand, to be honest with you, praying for daylight. I just want to be able to see because I've got a gun. If I can see him before he sees me, I'm all right. Can I tell you, I am scared. I know that man versus mountain lion didn't go well. I had seen where the red fern grows. It doesn't end up good. Well, that morning my cousin comes out. We get back to the house, sit down for breakfast. I said, did you hear that? He goes, how could I not hear it? We're saying about what it could be. And my granddad's like, well, it could be a mountain lion. We're like, great. My grandmother goes, well, it could be a haint. A haint, oh, let me define this. A haint is what country people call ghosts that don't believe in ghosts. You can say you believe in haints, but not ghosts. That's my grandma. I'm going, great. I got something I can kill with a gun and something that I can't. Are they undead? Great. Ended up later, we found out, it was my great aunt Barney. That's how she called her guineas every day. And it messed us up. But if not, it would have ended my hunting career more than likely. We can laugh about that, but you know what more Christians struggle with, myself included? It's anxiety. What are you anxious about today? The same things that deal with your hurts. Some of you are anxious about finances. You're anxious about family. Some of you are anxious about our country. There's all different things that are anxious. But then I open up God's Word at Matthew chapter 6 and what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, They're not, Therefore do not be anxious saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. There's that beautiful word again. God knows every single thing you need. If He can take care of birds and He can take care of flowers, He will take care of us. Philippians 4. Open up that and I see that we do everything. We pray about everything. We take everything to Him. We let Him know what is going on. And we take everything. He knows of our fears. He's seen them before. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, that beautiful word again, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting in this verse that peace follows prayer? Whatever it is that has you being anxious, pray about that. Take it to God. Finally, God knows all your faithfulness. I think sometimes I've heard a lot that God knows when we're bad. God also knows when you're good. God sees your faithfulness. This is a picture of me as a kid. Yes, I know I look like the Christmas story kid. You're not the first and you're not original to say something about it. He's also the chocolate milk kid. I, I know, same kid. My dad, uh, 
this is us going fishing as a kid, and when you catch a bunch of fish in Parsons, Tennessee, you make the newspaper. That's what happened here. My dad, I, I, I trusted. He, uh, I wasn't scared of anybody but him growing up, pretty much. I, 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 and when I was with him, I wasn't scared of anybody else. And I think about him, and, and when I was in high school, really any time on the sports field, I played baseball and played football and played basketball some, mainly baseball and football, Anytime on a sports field I did something good, he would do a Tarzan deal. He could do the Johnny Wisemiller Tarzan deal to perfection. The yodel, everything. It was unreal. And it would make people turn their hearing aids down. It was deafening. People were waiting for the monkeys to run up and the elephants when he did that. Anytime I did something, I, I laughed. When I was in middle school, I had the game of my life as a defensive tackle. And I think I had 14 or 15 tackles. He couldn't talk for three days. He'd lost his voice. It was awesome. But every time he saw me do something, when he did that, that was him letting me know and letting the world know that I'm his kid, I'm his son, and he's proud of me. When I was a junior in high school, my mom and dad divorced, and it, it, it still hurts today. I still don't like it. And during this time, I, I was playing on a football team, and I was on a football team that I was just good enough to sit on the bench. I got to play in blowouts. And I didn't get to see my dad a whole lot. He lived across town. Just the dynamics were weird. And we're playing a team that had Ronald Davis on it. If you're a UT fan, you'll remember Ronald. Ronald was a cornerback. He was considered to be one of the fastest men in the NFL. At one time for the Atlanta Falcons, he was one cornerback, and Deion Sanders was the other. Well, Ronald in high school ran like people stood still. We had a guy on our team that ran a 4-3-40, and uh, Ronald left him like he was standing still. It's pretty awesome. I had watched the game all night and watched us, us run all over him. Or him run all over us. I finally get in, and I've watched this uh, defensive, uh, offensive guard every time that when they're going to play around the right end... He had a tail. I could say they were going to do it. They threw me in at left tackle. He gave me that tail. I knew that Ronald was going around that side. So as soon as they snapped the ball, I ran to the corner. Ronald got there. He tried to dance around somebody. and I hit him right in the ear hole and rolled him out of bounds. It was awesome. You know what I heard? Tarzan. My dad was letting the world know that I was his and he was proud. I hurt Ronald so bad he had to take one playoff because of the injury and the next play he went 85 yards for a touchdown. I just rocked his world. <laughs> but I will say this, I knew that day my dad was proud. And I know every day he continues to tell me. For those of you doing good, know that God sees it. Every time that you do not give in to temptation, He sees that. Every time you give in to temptation and, and, and you ask for forgiveness, He sees that. Every time you show an act of kindness, it doesn't matter who else sees it, God sees that. And what He says is do not grow weary of being doing good. Continue being somebody who does that. And, and being somebody who gives your life to Him. See, what I love about God, so many things. He knows all my sins. He knows all my hurts. He knows all my fears. He also knows my faithfulness. And He knows everything about me and He loves me anyway. 
I read a story a few years ago about a young lady named Mary Ann Bird. She said, I grew up knowing I was different and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate and when I started school, my classmates made it clear how I looked to others just an ugly little girl. She said that she would tell people They'd ask, what's wrong with your lip? And she would say, I fell and cut it on a piece of glass. She said she made up anything so that she could feel normal and accepted. She also had hearing issues in one ear. She had a lot of struggles. And she said she had a horrible home life. So many things are going bad. Every day at school she was made fun of. And in second grade, she had a teacher by the name of Miss Leonard. And she said, Miss Leonard would give a hearing test every year. I grew up, they put the headphones on you and you hear the beep. When Miss Leonard would do this, and some of you had this, uh, your teacher would come and whisper something in your ear and you would whisper it back and they would get further away and they would keep up with the distance that you could say that to see if you could hear. She said, Mary Ann Bird said, I hated this every year because I knew that I was deaf in one ear and the teachers always pointed that out. And she said, this one year changed my life. She said, seven little words changed my life. She said, many times Miss Leonard would, would whisper, the water is wet, the sky is blue, something very simple. And said, she leaned down in my ear and these seven words changed me. She said, I wish you were my little girl. She went on to be an author have an incredible life. She said, it all changed that day when I knew somebody knew everything in the world that was wrong with me and she loved me anyway. You need to know that God knows everything in the world that's wrong with you. And He loves you anyway. Today, can I encourage you, if you're not His child, to become His child. To come today confessing Him to be the Lord and Savior making Him everything, repenting and turning to Him. Because of a great faith, you choose to do that and choose today to be baptized for remission of your sins. Today's a day to do that. Today, if you're a Christian and you're struggling and you need prayer, you can come here. I know there are elders waiting who would love to pray with you. But today, if we can help you in your walk with God, we want to do that. If we can help you in any of these ways, would you come while we stand and while we sing? Why did